Good morning. This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon. The Veterans Writing Workshop is a program that lets New York vets share their stories through these anthologies. Now, not only is the workshop a successful writing program, it also offers something more. Joining me today are Julia Rust, Natalie Edelhauser, and Laura Rossi. They're here to share their stories in the anthology On the Homefront. It's the first writing workshop with family members of veterans. We're also joined by founder and instructor of the Veterans Writing Workshop, David Surface. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Each of you wrote about your fathers in this anthology. So let's go around the table, and can each of you describe your dad in one word? Yeah, uh, this is Julian, and uh, I'd say warm. Warm? Yeah. Laura? I would say my dad is a mystery. A mystery. Natalie? I would say absent. Absent. Tell me why you joined the Veterans Writing Workshop. Okay, so this is Natalie. I was actually a program director with the Veterans Outreach Program at Family Services of Westchester, uh, and I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to join with David and participate in the workshop. I really enjoy working with veterans, and I thought it would be really nice to have the opportunity to, you know, discuss my experience as a family member. So I joined because I am with the Westchester Community Foundation, which was funding the veterans program at Family Services of Westchester. And I contacted Natalie and said, I'd like to observe some of the work that you're doing. And she invited me to the writing workshop and said, you're not allowed to observe. You must participate. (laughs) (laughs) So Laura, you got strong-armed into it. Right. Okay. And we're very glad that she did. (laughs) This is Julia, and um, I'm administrator of the Veterans Writing Workshop with David. So when this uh, one came up, he said, well, your dad was in the service, so you qualify. Would you like to join us? And I said, yeah. How challenging was it to write? Were you nervous when you first started writing? Did it bring up some things that you didn't think would be there? Was it pretty easy to write? So this is Laura. It was a really wonderful experience for me. I, I came into it with a lot of trepidation because I knew that it would churn up some painful feelings. Um, I had been writing for some time, but surface writing, I would say. So the workshop was a wonderful opportunity to get a little below the surface and think about my father or think about the loss of my father and in a creative way through writing. Were you writing for yourself, for your family? Uh, were you writing to get published or you were just kind of writing things down, you know, little memories or, or stories that you just enjoyed? Before? Mm-hmm, before the writing I was just kind of writing for myself. Yeah. And I went into this just kind of writing for myself too and then realized um, I would say through the collaborative process in the workshop and um, through some things Natalie said at one point about, you know, other people will read this and this might be nice for them to hear too. This might be helpful for them. And that kind of helped me start to share more and more of my experiences, my feelings. Uh, So this is Natalie. I originally started participation in the workshop thinking that I would write about my foster father. Um, He was a Marine Corps veteran who served in Vietnam. He's a Purple Heart recipient and Um, I have a lot of admiration for him, and I really wanted to share the story of how I got to know him. Um, I didn't see myself writing about my biological father, who was also a Marine Corps veteran who served in Vietnam. Uh, But when it came down to it, the person I didn't know, my father, um, was the person who I ended up writing about, which was really an interesting experience for me. Uh, And it it gave me some perspective that I, I don't feel I had before. Why do you think you ended up writing about your biological father as opposed to the father that you planned on writing about? 
Uh, strangely, he's not alive anymore, and I think it put me at ease to know that the subject of my story wasn't going to be reading it and judging it and having uh, an opinion about it, so it made it a little freeing for me to write my story the way that I wanted it to be told. So were you not close with your biological father? I never knew him. But how did you find out he was uh, a soldier? I got to know his mother, my grandmother, uh, after he passed away. Uh, we became very close, and so I learned about him through her. Tell me about your dad. Did he raise you? Uh, my foster your foster father? dad. Yes. Um, he he was a, a, the father of my one of my very close friends in high school. Through a lot of complicated family issues, I was placed in the custody of the state of Florida. Uh, and he stepped up and said, I, I can be there for you. And um, he really gave me a safe place to finish out schooling. And, um, you know, it was a platform for me to go to college. He and his wife, they really got me on the right path and made me who I am today. How old were you when they took you in, Natalie? I was 15. Did you find that the skill was more of a problem for you writing or was it more the material? What was most challenging for each of you? This is Laura. David invites you to move into a story in a, in a way that I hadn't experienced before with sensory type of questions. What did the person look like? What did the person sound like? Um, write about an object that you associate with this person. And they were, for me, very intriguing and um, challenging questions because I didn't have any memories of my father. But I found my, I, I used that to find my way into what I wanted to share or what I did have or what my feelings were. You know, then there's certain feedback in, you know, how does, how does a story flow or what's missing um, that everybody was very helpful and David and the other, other participants. But getting started is often the hardest part. And uh, so the techniques that were used and the supportive environment that was created were essential and terrific. Items were, uh, I guess, uh, was it a theme, David, you can call it in this, in this anthology? We had an uh, ID card. We had a guitar. We had a mug, which I want to talk about. Uh, we had recorded tapes. Was that sort of a catalyst to sort of jump off this particular veterans writing workshop? It was one of the writing activities that we had, which was think of an item, an object that uh, reminds you of your uh, veteran relative. And those happened to be the objects that these, uh, these writers chose, and they, they did really well with them. So now, Laura, you didn't have a, a memory of your dad because he was gone before you were, he, he was gone. He died when I was two years old. He died when you were two. But you did have items to remember him by. Just a few, yes. Okay. Yes. What, what did you write about? I wrote about his guitar and a few other items. It sort of, I remembered as a child uh, looking for clues in those items of, of who he was. And in a way, some of those early thoughts about the sensory and what things feel like, I was able to use in my story about, the, about his guitar. And that guitar right now your son plays. Yes, sometimes. Sometimes? <laughs> when he plays, does it remind you of your dad? I just think about my dad when he plays the guitar. And music is very important in our household. And so there is something, there's a feeling that's going on that's to me, feels complete. And you also had an identification card that you used to carry around with you? Uh, yes. Now, I can understand the guitar. You know, it has a use. It's musical. Why did you carry around an ID card? And it was your ID card, right? Right. It was my Veterans Administration ID card. It reminded you of your dad? 
Oh, it's what you need to get onto the base. <laughs> so it had a practical use. It had a practical <laughs> use. And I, in the story that I wrote, I, I kept it long after its practical use. It was just uh, a token of who I am. You still have it? Not with me today. But, yes, I do still have it, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, Natalie, you got some, some tapes from um, your dad? They were actually my grandmother's. They were your grandmother's they tapes. Were at her home. Yeah. And this was from your biological father. Uh, yes, they were recordings that he had made while in Vietnam. Um, I believe they were probably on some other form of recording prior to cassette tapes. But when I found them, my grandmother had made cassettes uh, that she kept at home. So what do you remember about listening to these cassettes of your dad's voice? You know, up until that point, he had been such a mysterious figure. And I have had a few relatives, uh, including my mother, who have passed away. And to me hearing somebody's voice is something that you don't ever get in again. Um, so for me, it was it was just such a, a wonderful opportunity to hear what he sounded like. It was kind of a magical experience to, to hear somebody, I don't want to say from the grave because that sounds very morbid, but it, it, it really was. Um, so I, I cherish that memory. Where are the cassettes now? That I do not know. Yeah, you didn't keep them. <laughs> no. I mean, at the time I was, I think seven, eight years old, um, it, it didn't occur to me that I might want to hold on to these and, and have them one day. You know, I do know where some of his items are. Um, we have his flag and, and other things. Um, but no, the cassettes have vanished. So Natalie, can you read a little bit of what you wrote in the Veterans Writing Workshops uh, anthology called On the Homefront? What my grandmother did not ever speak about was the reason I never met my dad. She shared pictures of his time as a Marine images of him at 17 or 18, either in uniform or with his buddies in Vietnam. I never saw pictures of him beyond this age when he grew into a weathered, troubled, and haunted man. To this day, the images and pictures I have of my dad are from long before the time when he met my mother. Despite all of the good I heard from my grandmother and all of the bad I heard from my own mother, I had this burning curiosity to know who he was, how he carried himself, what his laugh sounded like, and what about me was connected to him. One summer, while visiting my grandmother, I was digging through old cassettes to record some of my new favorite Janet Jackson songs from the radio when I came across a black canvas case. As I unzipped it, I noticed that the labels on the cassettes inside had my dad's name. I brought them to my grandmother to ask about them. She grew very excited and brought me to the bedroom where we could play them on the stereo. My grandmother told me they were audio recordings my dad sent home to her from Vietnam. With my eyes wide, I walked over to the stereo to play the recordings. My grandmother quietly slipped out of the room, and I noticed a brief expression of sorrow across her face. I reached over to press play as I watched my hand move in slow motion. I waited as the sound started, scratchy and low. From the speakers came a man's voice, not at all how I imagined a 17- or 18-year-old version of my dad. The voice was so deep. It was lower, deeper, and richer than any voice I'd ever heard. Later, I would describe it to people as the voice of a baritone singer in an old-fashioned quartet. I still can't recall exactly what he said on those tapes, but I imagine it was simple words of gratitude for care packages or mundane reassurances of his safety accompanied by censored versions of the things he was seeing over there. What he had to say wasn't important to me as an eight-year-old. I was mesmerized just by hearing his voice. So, Natalie, you said you can't necessarily remember uh, what were in those tapes, do you remember how you felt at that time? Did you feel that connection to your dad? I think I did, briefly. Yeah. Um, I think that's why it stands out so vividly in my memory. Yeah, I could not recall for the life of me what he was saying, uh, but I definitely remember the voice. 
So do you think not having that particular person be a major part of your life growing up, how do you think that affected you? I think that not having the presence of a father affects children no matter what. You know, for me, I, I, I felt that there was an absence in my life. And, you know, when I met my foster father, when I moved in with my foster parents, I think that that, that gap was filled quite a bit. It's funny that, you know, both of my father figures were veterans, but when I serve veterans and when I go out and I and I give back to veterans, I do it for the sake of my foster father. I think the most important question I have is what Janet Jackson song were you looking for? <laughs> uh, it was nasty. <laughs> So my, my grandmother was not a fan. <laughs> I can bet at eight years old, <laughs> especially because you wanted to probably record over, uh, you know, uh. these these tapes of your, your biological father with Janet Jackson's nasty. She must not have been too happy about that one. <laughs> this is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon discussing the Veterans Writing Workshop's new anthology on the home front with Julia Rust. Natalie Edelhauser, Laura Rossi, and founder of the workshop, David Surface. Now that Natalie has sort of explained what her feelings are about her dad, who else wants to share their particular feelings about their dad? I'll go ahead. Uh, Julia, because um, my dad is alive. He's 90. He's actually very ill right now in the hospital, and so, you know, kind healing thoughts out to him. He had left the service before I was born, so my experience of him as an Air Force veteran is, is only because that's who he was. I mean, he didn't talk about the service. Uh, we didn't have uh, much memorabilia about the service. I hadn't thought about him in that way, and I came into the workshop and, and first of all, rediscovered some childhood, early childhood memories that I had just not thought about in years that, that were, you know, made me feel closer. What were they, Julia? Uh, some of them are in the stories, but uh, things about going to, he worked for an uh, oil company, Schlumberger, a field engineer, and we'd go to the shop where the big trucks were that they would take out to the field and play in the trucks, you know, and I have that memory of, you know, the, the, the smoke and the uh, grease and the, the <laughs> you know, all the equipment and the, and the trucks themselves and how much fun that was, although when I was writing it, I realized uh, it was my father's shop, but he isn't present in the memory. It was, you know, us playing in this stuff. But he he was there, but I don't really remember him. So I had to keep looking in each of the memories and find where he was in my life at that time. And I was very glad to get this opportunity. I don't write memoir either. I haven't done hardly anything about my life. I write fiction, and I very much enjoy writing fiction. But um, this was, uh, I, I wanted to be able to write something he could read. And, and he did, you know, and see how, uh, you know, I, f I felt about him and honor him a little bit in this way. How challenging was it to switch from fiction to almost an autobiography? Um, for me, it was, it was challenging. I, I, I liked it in the end. But, you know, we would do exercises in class and then read them aloud, and, um, and I'd get choked up. You know, I don't get choked up in my own writing usually because it's uh, even if it's moving, it's fiction, you know, or I can pretend it's fiction. But with with this, you know, this was from my heart and uh, and very exposed. So it's a little a little scary. But I'll tell you these, you know, David is a instructor and these women uh, that we were in class with were so supportive 
and everybody was in the same boat about you know opening themselves in this way so it was it was it felt very safe and uh, and the writing you know I I mean I'm in the book but I, I think everybody's writing in this book is so strong it's such a beautiful um, piece I'm very very proud of it for all our sakes and I'm very looking forward to doing more of them did the workshop help you pull out parts of your writing that you didn't even know were in you absolutely yeah absolutely I'm really really great not just for in it. technique and not just in emotion but in all of it yeah they, they, they go together you you come with the pieces the memories that these uh, exercises will elicit and then and then you try to craft them. And the crafting part is isn't as hard for me, but the but when they're real memories, it's it's you know it, it gets a little, um, sometimes a, a little challenging because you want to present it in a way that makes it very readable and you want it to be truth, but then memory is never all truth. You know, memory is just whatever we've filtered through uh, the years. And so when you remember that and you let it go, then it's fine. You can just write anything and it works. I was going to ask, did anybody else's family members read their uh, bits, their their writings in this anthology? And what did they say? Uh, no, this is Natalie. <laughs> I'm actually very self-conscious of my writing as well. And I, um, I just, I, I don't like when people read my writing. So this was a huge leap for me to put it, put anything out there. Um, and my husband, Adam has not even read this. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I definitely haven't shared it yet, but I will. That's going to change now. <laughs> <laughs> Laura. I think what challenged me was when you grow up without a parent, you grow up in sorrow. That's your baseline. And you learn to hide that. And you learn to just live. And so uncovering that and showing, you know, pain and sorrow was, for me, hard because I didn't want other people to feel sorry for me or, you know, feel pity or whatever. So um, we did have a reading, and of course, once I told my mother about it, you know, people came, <laughs> uh, including my dearest friends, and it was okay. I mean, I looked up and people were crying, and I realized it was okay. Um, that people and, could be moved by your writing. Yeah, and they, they could understand my deepest feelings. So was yours more to sort of get out what you were feeling and not necessarily do it for friends and family, but do it for yourself? Primarily myself, but I would say moving forward, I would like people to understand what it's like for children who've, who've lost a parent, particularly in the military. I would like people to just understand what that feels like for the child. So maybe people will read that and have a little insight. What happened to your dad, Laura? He drowned in a, in a sort of freak um, yachting accident when um, the family was stationed in Italy. Um, so it was, it, it, as I put in one of my stories, it doesn't make any sense. And, it, and, and that it's not a combat death makes it complicated, too. It was an accident. Or as my family always said, the tragedy. So when people would ask, you know, there's always this pause, and people aren't sure how to respond to that. And then there's always the, um, but you never knew your dad response. As in, so you don't, you don't really have any... Um, you don't miss what you don't know, sort of that right, idea. Right. That's and not necessarily true. people would say that to me growing up. And I would really like people to stop saying that to children. <laughs> I understand. Uh, it's, it's, it's meant to be helpful, but I, I think that 
people need to honor children's pain and loss. When you talk about the tragedy to your son, how does he respond? So I've only spoken about it to my son once. Really? Even though he's playing your, your dad's guitar, his granddad's guitar, because of him or because of you? Oh, because of me. Because of you? Um, and I've only spoken to my daughter about it once. When they ask, how did your dad die? It's, uh, it's not something you, you bring up out of the blue. And in one of my stories, I sort of explore that. And, and what helped me was realizing that, you know, they want to know. They want to know about their grandfather. They want to understand themselves and go back in who, this, who their family is. And uh, that I was doing them a disservice by not talking about that. Well, can you tell my listeners about it through reading a piece of what you wrote? Okay. As a child, my experience of us as a military family was through occasional visits with Navy friends and shopping at the PX and the commissary at West Point. I watched the Vietnam War on television as a spectator. At summer camp, we kids sang anti-war songs around the campfire, accompanied by a counselor's guitar. By the time I went to college, my father's service and my identity as the daughter of a naval officer was represented by a tangle of dependence education benefits that would soon expire. They were a payment from the government that felt more like a payoff. My father's Martin guitar reminds me that he was more than a tool of the military. He was, I believe, a gentle man and a loving father. I imagine his hands were calloused from the steel guitar strings, not weapons. Sometimes I take that beautiful little guitar out of its case and hold it close against my body. I play the few chords I know, strumming, but mostly I just hold it against me. And think about your dad? Yeah. Julia, their experiences were so much different than yours because you had your dad around. Yeah. Um, so who did you write for? I wrote uh, for my father. Um, I wrote for my kids, you know, uh, my sister, my mother, all of them, uh, and myself. Uh, discovering him in this way and then, you know, trying to honor him. Um, and one of the pieces in the book was a, an experiment, the fictional piece at the end, which is just uh, putting my he head in the in the head of someone who's close to someone with PTSD. Um, and that that I was writing maybe for all our veterans, uh, the Veterans Writing Workshop that you know has been running for several years. That's very very uh, amazing group of men, mostly some women, uh, wonderful writers, wonderful people. And uh, it, I felt a little presumptuous because I, I don't have a relationship with someone with PTSD, but, but I wanted to, to put myself in that head and write about it in a, in a kind way and, and uh, you know, came out with that piece. So uh, a lot of different people I'm writing for. Has your dad read it yet? Yes, he, yes, he did. What he you think? Was, he was moved, yeah. He was moved? Yeah. And I want to give Julia a chance to read your favorite piece from your writing, which is called... <laughs> The mug. The mug. But I also have a photo of Dad, 1944-45, in the cockpit of his beloved P-40, grinning at the camera like he owns the world. He is so young here, 19 or 20, happy and confident, a pilot, in a fighter, a flying tiger. He's wearing a leather helmet, no real protection from anything, but keeps his head warm, something over the years like headphones, goggles high on his head. 
The canopy is off, so he must be on the ground, though the picture is so faded there's almost no background. You can just barely make out the tail of another plane behind. This is the picture to send to your sweetheart. Did he have a sweetheart then? He wouldn't meet my mother for another six years, but would have sent her this if he had. And she, her fifteen or sixteen-year-old self, would have been glad to see it, pin it to her wall, carry it against her heart. I imagine, by the time she did see this picture for the first time, she imagined he was smiling across time, smiling at her, for her. As I imagine, with pictures of my partner from before we met. As I do now, with this picture, think my dad smiling at me, that he fought the war, two wars, for me, thinking, knowing I was in his future. And he did know, in England, flying for the 20th fighter-bomber wing, when he asked the potter to make one more mug. Does your dad still have this picture, your mom or you? I have it. Well, we uh, they have it, too. We have copies, but yeah. You have, you have copies? Oh. So, David, I want to ask you, in the past, you've worked with veterans themselves. So what made you to decide to reach out to family members this time? Uh, well, this is something that we've wanted to do for, what, two years, three years now? Probably a lot longer than that. I mean, it just seems you know, obvious to me. We always say that every veteran has a story. Well, you know, every veteran's family member has a story as well. You know, they deserve, they deserve to be heard. The thing that we thought was really important and still do is we wanted the definition of family, veterans family member, to be as you know, broad and inclusive as possible. Because there's a perception, I think, nowadays, uh, in the media particularly, that when people think of veterans family members, they think of family members of newly returned veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan, young people, and absolutely. Uh, those are veterans' family members, and their stories are very important. But the fact is that you know veterans are a larger group than that, and veterans' family members are a larger group than that. How different has it been working with family members um, as opposed to working with veterans? Were there differences in the way you had to go about helping them bring out their stories? N- not really. The, the techniques that we used that we've been talking about here are, are very much some of the same techniques that we use in uh, the veterans workshop as well. You know, the idea again is to make it not threatening, to make it simple, and to sort of start with just very basic things, like what's an object that reminds you of this person? What did this person's voice sound like? Uh, and then why? Why do you think their voice sounded that way? How did it make you feel when you heard it? These are all techniques that we use in both groups, and um, I think they work. They work pretty well with both. Now, you've got a couple of these under your belt. I've interviewed you uh, before about the Veterans Writing Workshop. What's changed from the beginning, from maybe the first workshop that you've done to now with the 99th <laughs> that you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> What's changed? Uh, I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is growth. I mean, we've, we've certainly grown. Uh, our first partner was, was Fordham University here in New York. Uh, we now do... I think we started, we did like one workshop at Fordham's Westchester campus in West Harrison. Um, we're now doing three a year in two campuses, uh, timed with Fordham's three semesters. Uh, we do three workshops a year at uh, Fordham's Westchester campus in West Harrison, three workshops a year in uh, Manhattan at the Lincoln Center campus. And uh, we now have a long-running relationship with uh, Common Ground uh, Veterans Residence for Homeless Veterans at the Montrose VA here in Westchester County. We also just started a relationship with Jericho Project, which has two residences for homeless veterans here in the Bronx. As I said, we wanted to start this uh, families, families workshop, and we have. And 
very glad. So, so yeah, a lot of growth. So, David, what's next for the Veterans Writing Workshop Project? That we are having another uh, workshop for family members of veterans, just like this one. Uh, this was our first, but I think it's important to keep going, uh, to bring more veterans, family members into the workshop so they can tell their stories, so we can publish them in more books. And uh, we're very excited about that. That's going to be in the spring. And if anyone is interested in that, uh, we welcome them to uh, email us at info at veteranswritingworkshop.org. So, David, so you, have, you also have uh, a new veterans writing workshop for women, correct? That's correct. Uh, we're working with uh, Arts Westchester, which is the uh, county arts council, and uh, they invited us to create a special program for veterans uh, at their offices in White Plains. We decided that we wanted to do a workshop strictly for women veterans, and that'll be coming up uh, a little later on in the spring, and uh, we will let you know about when that happens, but we're very excited about that as well. We want to reach out to all the women veterans we can for that one. Have you noticed from the time you started till now, is there a single thread, thought, idea, or feeling that comes out? I'm not sure if this is a good answer to your question, but it's wanting to honor your memories or the people in your life. Combat veterans often will write about uh, comrades who they've lost, often in battle. Homeless, some of the homeless veterans will do that as well, but they will also write about family members who they have lost very focused on family. But again, it's always that, it's that urge to, uh, I had a teacher who used to call it the urge to cherish. And I think it's the urge to cherish one way or another uh, that, that comes out in all of these workshops. I'd like to thank my guest today, Veteran Writing Workshop's founder and instructor, David Surface, also Julia Rust, Natalie Edelhauser, and Laura Rossi for sharing their stories. I'd also like to thank my producer, Blake Christie. Stay tuned for Cityscape with George Bodarkey. For Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon.